Let me just um, say that your pastor's wife had gone about as long as she could, and I put her on a plane last night for Pittsburgh, so she's holding a baby, and I got a uh, picture just a few minutes ago that she's, she's going to be known as Bibi, that she's Bibi. I'm Papa and she's Bibi. And so Bibi and was holding baby Kinsey and they're watching the service right now. So my love to my dear wife, my sweet kids, and my precious granddaughter. Hallelujah. So forgive me that moment, okay? I'm sure it happens to you like it happens to me. People send me all kinds of articles and links to websites and <clears throat> someone made me aware of a campaign that was conducted by Dove Soap. Why they sent that to me, I'm not really sure. Dove Soap went all over the world, from the UK to Asia to Los Angeles, and they took well-trafficked business places where women have a, have a go, and they put a sign above each of two doors. One sign said, beautiful, and the other sign said, average. And so you had to walk through one of those two doors as you went into this place of business. You had to walk through the door that was marked beautiful or the door that was marked average. As the women walked up, they would have to choose which one they were going to walk through. And I don't know if you'll be surprised by this or not. How many of you know which door you'd walk through? Raise your hand if you know. I'm not saying you have to say which one it was. Okay, all the ladies, how many of you know which door you would walk through? Raise your hand. Okay, it's just men, how many of you know which door you'd walk through? Yeah, I, I figured that would, I knew how that would go. You may be surprised by this, but 96% of the women walked through the door marked average. Now, this, was not in a, this was not in a poverty area. This was right in the center of business and middle to upper middle class uh, area. People, women with degrees, women with careers. In fact, one woman from Shanghai simply said, when I think of beautiful, it seems so far out of reach, there was no way that I was going to walk through that door. And the reality is that this experiment that they conducted was much more telling than what was seen on the surface. This is what struck me about it, because it seems to me that it reveals something that is much deeper within all of us, that will never be met by anyone or anything other than God himself. It's like what uh, C.S. Lewis says. I know I quote him often. He says this, the history of mankind is the long and terrible pursuit of man trying to find something to make him happy and nothing does until he comes to God. So what door would you have walked through? What voice would have been activated in, in your head? Would it have been your mom's voice or your dad's voice? Would it have been something you had been told about yourself? or something that you tend to say repeatedly to yourself? Because we all work so hard at making ourselves acceptable from the clothing we wear to the knowledge we attain to the friends that we acquire. We're trying to get it all together so that we will be acceptable. And 96% of the women who went through the door could not pass through the door marked beautiful. They chose, chose the door average because of the voice that is playing in their head. How many of you have either said or heard someone say this? Every time I do such and such, every time I do this, I hear my dad's voice in my head. I hear my mom's voice in my I can I can hear them saying saying this or saying that. All too often, <laughs> in fact I found out just yesterday, it just reminds me of this. I'm gonna get in trouble for telling this. My daughter called me and she said <clears throat> that her husband said to her, You have officially become your mom. Now, 
that's a good thing, whoever's woeing, that's a good thing. Because Becky has this thing, but she doesn't leave the house unless certain things have taken place. She's not going to leave the house with the dryer going, right? Because the house is going to catch on fire if we leave the dryer going. And so apparently they got in the car yesterday. Chris and Sheridan got in the car yesterday. And she said, oh, hold on, wait a minute. She had to go back in and turn the dryer off, making them even a little more late probably. She got back in the car and said, what are you doing? And, and she said, I was turning the dryer off. He said, you have officially become your mom at this point. But that's what happens to us, isn't it? Our, our, our parents' voices play in our head. I can still hear my dad's voice. I still hear my mom's voice playing in my head, telling me certain things about me that tends to define us. And, but all too often, that voice is saying something like this, you're not allowed. You can't do that. You're not capable. You can't walk through that door. Somehow, you're just not good enough, or worse, you're just not enough. It may have come from peers at school, may have come from, I hope not, may have come from someone who's tried to bully you as a child or as a teen. Whatever the reason or whomever it came from, most if not all of us have arrived at this point of our journey with voices playing in our head. Doesn't mean you're crazy, but voices playing in our head. Well, every time I... Uh, I, th I think of this every time I read through the Gospel of John and I stroll through chapter 4 where we read the story that's familiar to all of us of the, of the woman at the well. And I think it's likely, based upon what we read in the text, that she would not have even walked through the door marked average. That was, she wouldn't have even done that because of her self-image from what we see in the text. In fact, the reason that she came to that particular well which was more than a half mile from Sychar where she lived, where there was plenty of water and plenty of wells there in town for her to draw from. She didn't go there. She went a half mile outside of town. It was most likely because she was so much of a moral outcast that the village women drove her away from her own village well. Many commentators will, will tell us that. And, that. and not only that, but she even um, she, she came to the more distant well that she went to at a time when she knew others would not be there because she was an outcast because of what had happened, because of the voices that were playing in her head. The voices resounding her head were just telling her that she was not good enough and she would have had no clue about which door she would have walked through had she been given that, that opportunity. There was a survey done not too long ago in our own country where the question was asked this, what three phrases would you like to hear every single day? On this survey, they asked him, what three phrases would you like to hear every day? You'll get the first one. What is it? What is it? You're right. You got that one. I love you. Everyone wants to hear. I love you. You want to know that you're loved by someone. You want to know that you're valued and appreciated. So the number one thing that all of us want to hear every day is, I love you. Sadly, there are plenty of people who never hear that and who haven't heard it for years or maybe decades. The second one might be a little bit more surprising to you. The second most needed phrase that we say or the survey said that people want to hear is this, I forgive you. That's the second one that we have the greatest need to hear. I love you is number one. Number two, 
The second, uh, second highest phrase that we want to hear is, I forgive you. And the third phrase, I doubt anybody here would guess this morning, and it's going to come as a surprise to you, but it's what ended up on the survey as the third most popular, most needed phrase that we want to hear every day. And it's this, supper's ready. <laughs> anybody feel that way? But think about it for a minute. Just, just follow that with me. This survey of random people was declaring the cry of the heart and what we all need. What was number one? Well, you're cheating. You're reading the thing. No wonder you remember. What's number two? What's number three? How come you said that louder than the other two? Well, we might laugh at that this morning, but can I just ask you to think about it with me for a minute? That's the gospel. That's the gospel. God loves us. He really does. He forgives us when we ask him to forgive us. And he's inviting us to a banquet one day in heaven where he will say, supper's ready at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I think the voice that every one of us is longing to hear in our heads and in our hearts it's not all the negative garbage that others have tried to put upon us, and every one of us have had that, every one of us. I think we long to hear the voice of God saying that he loves us, he forgives us, and supper's ready. But my challenge to you today, and there always is one, my challenge to you today is, what voice are you listening to? What voice has your attention? What's the loud voice playing in your head? I've heard Pastor Des say, and this just struck me. I heard him say many times over the years that at times it almost seems as if the voice of the enemy is louder in our head than the voice of God. How many know what we're talking about? Because the enemy comes in so strong and tries to tear away at our confidence and tries to eat away at, at, our, at our values and, 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 and who we are because he's out to kill, steal, and destroy and there are times that that voice can get so loud or we allow it to become so loud, it can almost drown out the voice of God. So I'm asking you today, what voice is loud in your head? What voice are you listening to? What voice are you placing in, in priority? Do you know um, what Billy Graham said often to preachers when he was called upon to address them? Here's what he said. He told preachers, you're not really preaching until the audience hears, capital A, another voice, and that's the voice of Jesus. And that's what the woman at the well needed to hear. She'd heard every other voice. She'd heard the voice of the women of society. She'd heard her own voice. She'd heard the voice of the five men with whom she had lived and the one she was living with now. But she's about to hear the voice that is going to change her life. How many of you are thankful you have heard the voice that has changed your life? Well, let's look at the text. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. You, you know it. Starting with verse 4. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that, Joseph, that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Now, 
I know you've probably heard this about this moment, but this is a huge moment that takes place here. It is a, it's a racial moment because Jews and Samaritans don't talk to each other. They do not mingle. They do not mix at all. Jesus is about to cross the racial line, which is a significant step. He's about to cross the line of Jews talking to Samaritans. He's about to cross the line of a man speaking to a woman. And he's about to show the power of the other voice and his voice, which is coming. Look with me at verse number nine of this chapter four of John. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? And how can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Now watch the shift in the conversation. She's just now about to truly hear the other voice. And when I read this, when I'm going through this this narrative here, what strikes me so heavily is the patience of the Lord Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad God is patient with me. And that's what I read in this. And that's the lens through which I'm hoping you're going to see it. Because it's his willingness to get to the real point of the need. We think we know what our need is. We think we have defined our need. But Jesus knows what the real need is. And he has the patience and the willingness to get to the real point of the need. And it's his willingness to do whatever it takes Whatever it takes, it's a real reach. Talk about the ultimate reacher. It's, it, he's reaching. He's willing to do whatever it takes to get her to understand the other voice that she's about to hear. I'm struck by how strongly he was willing to reach right to where he was. All of his sensitivities, all of his discernment were perfectly in place. And I, let me just pause to say, oh, how we need that today as we deal with the lost uh, and the unsaved and those who do not know Christ and the people that are in your life, we need to constantly be praying, God, give us wisdom to have the discernment and the sensitivity that we need to go right to the point of the need as I'm dealing with this workmate or this, this family member or this situation or that situation. Give, us, give that to us because the needs we have today in this world, the sensitivities we need to have today is a completely different set than in the world in which I grew up when I was a kid. We live in a different day. We live in a different value system. I don't know about you, but I'm constantly struck about how things and value systems are changing. There's a generation coming up behind us who look at the world in a completely different way than us old folks do. It was a weak amen. It's a world whose mindset's nothing like what we had before. People with a worldview that is anything but Christian and anything but what you and I have known in the church, but Jesus reached to her and he knew exactly how to do it and had the patience to do it. Notice the scene, he's talking to her about living water. And as we just read, she doesn't get it. 
She doesn't get it at all. She's still looking at the surface. And what we should see in this, and what we should, what, what we should love about this, about Jesus, is that he didn't say this. Well, <laughs> I tried, and she didn't get it, so I guess we're done here. Aren't you glad he's not done with you? Aren't you glad when you don't get it, when I don't get it, that he doesn't cast us off and say, hmm, you had your chance. I tried. No, what he does very strategically is he switches from teacher to prophet. It's almost like a, it's almost like a whiplash in the narrative. And, and I love that. I find so much intrigue in this part of the story, how he makes this switch just like that. He says, the water I'm going to give you, you will never thirst again. Can't you see him drawing her in? And her quick and rather surface response was, great, I need that so I don't have to keep coming all the way out here anymore. And I, 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 this is not in the text like this, but you can almost hear Jesus going, oh, bless her heart. She just doesn't get it. But instead of getting upset or been out of shape over it, he looks through it and he says this. Here's the whiplash. Go call your husband. Really? Out of the clear blue? Go call your husband. And he changes the conversation from living water to the moral issue in her life. Don't be surprised, Bethesda, when all of a sudden in your thoughts and as, as you are praying and seeking the Lord, you're thinking one thing and suddenly another thought comes in your mind because the Lord is saying, no, that's not the issue. This is the issue. The issue is not for you living water. The issue is the moral issue in your life. And he changes the conversation from living water to the moral issue. Why? Because he's determined to reach her and he will stop at nothing to do it. Verse 16, go get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands and you're not even married to the man you're currently living with. You certainly spoke the truth. How many think that got her attention? Sometimes God has to get our attention for us to hear his voice. Sila. Sometimes he has to almost shock us or put us in a situation that is surprising and shocking to us in order for us to hear his voice. And I can't help but wonder here this morning. He's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get you to hear his voice. But thank God for the patience of Jesus. When I've been hard-headed, thick-headed, too deaf to hear him speak, too busy with trivialities to listen, and yet he's still patient. Blessed be the Lord. But verse 19 brings us to her awakening moment. He had finally penetrated the surface of her heart. And why? Was there anything for him to gain from this, from doing it? Nope. He had nothing to gain. She had everything to gain because she was encountering the love of God. Which reminds me, I don't know if Jack's in the room. I think I saw him in the choir this morning. It's a song he loves so much that I love. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. Rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me, underneath me, all around me, 
is the current of your love, leading onward, leading homeward to your glorious rest above. And he's saying, you are not dirty. The love of Christ is reaching to her saying, you're not dirty. You are not unacceptable. You are not average. No, you are valuable in the sight of God. And I believe the Lord would say that to some of us here this morning who are struggling today. You know who you are. If the Lord is trying to penetrate your heart, he may be shocking you, making your circumstances such that you have no choice but to listen to the voice of the Lord. He is saying to you today, you are not dirty, you are not unacceptable, you are not average, you are valuable to him, you are valuable in the sight of God. Blessed be his name. And he's drawing you to himself today, wherever you are in your journey. And I'm speaking to the one who's never accepted Christ as Savior. I'm speaking to the one who has known the love of Christ, but somehow the cares of life and the rub of this world have pulled you away from him. I'm speaking to the one who has been walking with Jesus for a long time. But you know what? A call like this, a challenge like this goes out to all of us. I don't care how long you've been in the church. I don't care if you've never been in church. There is always another place for you to go in God. There's a deeper place. There's another level for you to go in him. He's calling you higher. He's calling you to a greater depth in him wherever you are. I want you to see the progression this morning that the scripture gives us for the Samaritan woman in our text in John chapter four. There is a progression here. And it's this. When she first meets Jesus in verse nine, And you can follow if you look at it in your Bible. She calls him a Jew. He was simply just a Jew. I had our media director, Michael Bell, design this for me. Lake called him late last night, and he wonderfully did it. I said, make it like a speedometer or some sort of a continuum. This is the woman. This is where she started. She calls him a Jew. And then she begins to hear him speak a little bit more. And she changed her title that she called him to Sir. He's not just a Jew, not just a man. Now she calls him sir. Obviously, that happened because something he said, some way he came across to her, elevated his stature to her in the process. And then when you get to verse 19, she changes the title again, and and, and she's no longer just calling him sir. Now she says he's the prophet. And in verse 25, she elevates again. Because as this progression takes place, as he's wooing her and drawing her to himself, now he's just a, not just a prophet, she's calling him the Messiah. In verse 29, she, she wonders if it's possible he's the Messiah. Could he be the Christ? And when you get to the end of this narrative, in verse 42, she's calling him not all of those other things, not just a Jew, not just sir, not just a prophet, not just Messiah, not just Christ. She's saying, this man must be the Savior of the world. Because that's what Jesus does as you encounter him. Wherever you are in the journey, wherever you find yourself on this continuum, he is constantly calling you as you progress with him more and more, as you seek him more and more, he's moving you to the next higher level. When she simply called him a Jew, he wasn't taken back. He didn't say, how dare you call me that? He didn't say that. He wasn't offended. This is where, again, I draw you to the patience of Jesus. He stayed with her from Jew to sir to prophet, to Messiah, to Christ, to Savior of the world, 
because that's the patience of Jesus and he's willing to reach to you to prove his love to you. And the door that is marked valuable to God is the door you can walk through today. So Bethesda, where are you in that journey? Where are you? Where do you fall on the continuum? You certainly don't have to answer that to me, but you need to answer it within your own heart. Maybe you simply believe that a Jewish man named Jesus lived a long time ago as a good man. And I, I, I would not be a bit surprised to know that there are people here today that that's where you're at. That's where you are, you are in your process. Or possibly you've gained respect for him for whatever reason, and you can elevate your approach to calling him sir. Could be that you've figured out he truly knows some things, and you've, you've read a little bit of the scripture, and you've put him at the level of a prophet in your heart. Could be some of you are saying today, hold on, this man Jesus, he is sent from God as the, as the anointed one. He's the Messiah. Or maybe you've dropped to your knees and acknowledged that Jesus is the Savior of the world. How many of you, as a kid, were dragged by your mom to a department store? Raise your hand. Okay, I want to see your hand if you remember any of these. Monings. Okay, put my glasses on. Tychus. Anybody remember Tychus? A few of you do. How about Stripling Cox? Sanger Harris. Getting, getting more of you now, yeah. This one may throw you. Yonkers. Have I got some Iowa people been to Yonkers? That's more up in the north where Becky and I grew up. Okay, how about J.C. Penney? They started in 1902. I was almost born by that time. I remember, I'm going to close with this. <clears throat> I know we took a lot of time with the Myers family delightfully this morning. I can remember as a four or five-year-old, this is the way it comes back to me, my mom taking me with her on a shopping trip for her to get a new dress. It seemed like it was an Easter dress probably, which is, you know, it was a big deal. I can see the store in my mind. I can, I can see how we went up to the second floor. I remember how crowded it was. It was terribly crowded. And I particularly remember how bored I was with the process. So to entertain myself, I played in the rounders full of clothes. Anybody ever do that? When your mom took you to the store? I got in the middle of the rounder just to play hide and seek and you know, to scare her, to think I had run off somewhere. It didn't seem to scare her too much. So I'd hide in the middle just to see if she'd notice that I was gone. Of course, she was dress shopping and she was preoccupied. I have a vivid memory of hiding in the middle of one of these rounders full of clothes, women's clothes, and I must have fallen asleep right in the middle. Meanwhile, my mother was meandering through the dress department blissfully. In those days, you know, it's been a, a few years ago, we had far less concerns about child abductions as we do today. It just didn't happen, at least not in our town. Today, we wouldn't let our child get more than four feet away from us, but it wasn't that way back then. Uh, and I, I have no idea how much time had passed in the process because I think I'd fallen asleep. And at that age, uh, I was called Danny Smith. Don't you ever call me that. Okay, I became Dan Smith about age 12 or somewhere around there. But I was Danny. I just remember waking up to the sound of my mother's voice calling my name. Danny, Danny, where are you? And there were dozens of other voices, many, many other voices going on at the time. The, the, the place was crowded and full of women shopping and making the noises that they make whenever they shop and doing whatever that they do. But I heard my mother's voice above all of them. Danny, 
Where are you? She was above all of them. Now, I don't remember if she spanked me or she hugged me when she found me. Probably both. I just know that I awakened to the sound of the voice of someone who was seeking for me, someone who was patiently and earnestly looking for me, and hearing her voice let me know that I was wanted. I was valuable to her because I belonged to her. I was quite struck week before last in our immersed Bible reading with a phrase that stood out to me. I'm sure you saw it too. It's when we were reading Romans and Galatians. This phrase I'm going to say, it appears in both of those books of Paul. The phrase is this, I belong to Jesus. In Galatians, he talks about bearing uh, on his body the scars that show he belongs to Jesus. In Romans, he speaks of those who, who have been called to belong to Jesus. Every time I read it, I, I highlighted it. It stood out to me. And I'm sure it caught my attention because it reminds me of a song we used to sing around here. I wonder if anybody remembers it. Written by Dennis Jernigan years ago called, I Belong to Jesus. I, raise your hand if you remember that song at all. Oh, you do. I belong to Jesus. I belong to him. I belong to Jesus, free from sin. And the bridge says, he was lifted up. He paid a costly price. He bought me with the blood of his own life. Christ the king now reigning wears the victor's crown. Satan was defeated when the blood flowed down. I belong to Jesus. There was something about that song, something about this statement that we could make as we sang it together that was a song also of consecration of our own hearts. We don't belong to the systems of this world. We belong to him. How many are thankful you belong to Christ today? You see, on our continuum from Jew to Savior of the world, I think there's one further acknowledgement. To the one who declares, I belong to Jesus, it means that to that person, he's not only Christ, he's not only Messiah, he's not only the Savior of the world, he is the Lord of their life. What does that mean to say Jesus is Lord? It means he's the boss. It means he's the one in charge. He's the one I consult on everything. He's the one I ask about every aspect of my life. That's what it means to declare Jesus as Lord. He is the king and we are his subjects. We are his to command where he leads us. We obey him. We obey his word for we belong to Jesus. We belong to him. We follow him because we know his voice and a stranger we will not follow. As I conclude this message, Pastor Brent, if you want to come, the prophet Isaiah gives us a very intimate picture of the voice of the Lord when he says this, and if I have prayed with you, it is very possibly, very possible that I have used this very scripture from Isaiah because I love to pray this with people, and it says this in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go. I always envisioned it as a quiet voice that's sitting right here, right behind my ear. My own ear will hear him. Right behind, I will hear a voice that say, this is the way you should go. Whether to the right or to the left, this is the way you should go. And that's what I'm praying for all of us today that you're going to hear that voice of the Lord saying, this is the way, because you've decided that you belong to Jesus. The deepest need of our heart is to hear someone say, I love you. Today the Lord is telling you that he loves you.
the next deepest need is to hear someone say, I forgive you. With open arms, Jesus is reaching out to you with his forgiveness. And the other need we have is to hear someone say, supper's ready. And the good news is it's being prepared in heaven. And the invitation is yours when you accept Christ as Savior and Lord. Bow your heads with me, please, church. I just simply must ask today in this simple gospel message, is there anyone in the house today that you'll just simply raise your hand and say, Pastor Dan, it's time for me to acknowledge Christ as Lord in my life. I want to be able to say that I belong to Jesus. Maybe you've known for a long time you need to come to him. But I, I need to declare today, Jesus Christ is Lord. If that's true for anyone, just slip up your hand quickly. doesn't matter if it's one or ten. Anybody in the house today say, I need to declare Christ Jesus is Lord today. All right. Everyone stand with me, please. How many are thankful that you've heard the voice of the Lord saying, I love you? You've heard the voice of the Lord saying, I forgive you. And how many are thankful to hear the words, supper's about to be ready? Right now, we'd like to hear lunch is ready, right? Father, I thank you for your presence in this place today. And I ask that your grace will cover us. Lord, let us just simply say how grateful we are for your patience. You're so patient with us, so kind that you will use whatever is necessary to reach to us and to penetrate our hearts. And so we give ourselves again to you today. As we declare Jesus is Lord, and as we say we belong to you, you are, we are yours to command where you lead us. So I ask your covering of grace to be upon us in the name of Jesus. And the church said amen. Those who are uh, in need of healing, Please come to the prayer service tonight. We'll be praying for healing. Dr. Marty will be doing a little teaching on healing. And I want everyone to raise your hands because I want to give you a benediction from the book of Romans. Everybody, let me give you a blessing. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've received that today, put your hands together and bless the Lord.